you won a pre-season, so there's some nerves as well, like, you know, the expectations and the standards um, that we've put in place. But, yeah, there's a real excitement going into the year. I'll quit my job the day I die. I'll quit my job the day I die. I break my back and never cry. I break my back and never cry. I'm losing all my hair. And welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. Another week, another preseason has started for Orlando Soccer, specifically the Orlando Prides. A lot of news for the women's soccer NWSL side coming over the last week. And well, guys, first off, we, we're recording back-to-back weeks, so that's really cool. Second off, we have done a lot since the last time we recorded in terms of our internal structure. We started a Discord uh, so if you look over on our social media sites, uh, on, on Twitter, and even on the uh, Podbean website, there's a link to the Discord over there where you can join us and join in the conversation of anything related to soccer and also non-soccer and memes and entertainment and um, gaming and, and all of that. There's always been Discord on the show, Austin. Let's, this isn't a new... We, no, there's but always been there's, plenty there's, of this is the platform of discord anyways oh um that's kyle foley uh gavin eubank is also here and uh we, we also have um brent peck is joining us for the first time i'm back uh, it's just a soundboard no 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 i'm really i'm back oh my god he's back <laughs> he's back i still don't believe it <laughs> i'm here I'm, I'm i'm back i'm excited to be a little bit more prevalent in the in the operation that is, yes. So, uh, so for for those glad to be back for those who are not aware who Brent Peckis is, uh, he is a former Division One goalkeeper at Bowling Green State, and uh, has been writing about soccer as well as talking about soccer with us uh, over the course of the last uh, six to seven years now, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. But um, he's a busy man, so uh, he was he was away for a while, but now he's back. So, uh, how was that an introduction for you, Brent? Great introduction. Fantastic. Always good. Always always complimentary. Fantastic. All right. So as as we do in this show, we're going to run down all the latest news that has happened over the last week of Orlando soccer, some signings, some departures. Definitely a very exciting time for uh, both Orlando City and Orlando Pride. We'll start with the Pride because they actually started preseason this week. And so we're going to start with the more prevalent news for them, which is, uh, hey, they signed a new goalkeeper. Carly Nelson signing a two-year deal for the Pride, but we're going to get into her in a little bit because there's a reason she signed, and that is Aaron McLeod and Gunny Jan's daughter leaving the Pride. They are moving to Iceland to continue their lives as a married couple now. Aaron also retired from international soccer playing with Canada, so that's two of your biggest leaders for the Pride now gone, and that is a, a very tough loss because not only was McLeod one of the biggest vocal leaders in the club, not just from, you know, as a goalkeeper standard, because as many know, goalkeepers are probably the loudest people on the entire pitch because they have to be. Uh, but she was, are. she was also one of the most vocal leaders in the locker room who was helping the team through a lot of tough times, especially last year with all of the stuff that happened. And, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of players who were very complimentary of Erin uh, during her time there and how important she was in terms of just getting them through the rough patches of the Amanda Cromwell investigation and the, the unknown situation of who's going to be their coach next year and all of that. So losing her is very tough, especially heading into a new era, essentially, 
of of Seb Hines. But the benefit is that Seb's been coaching this team for the last couple months as interim. And now he is the permanent manager. And so all the work that she did in terms of helping the team adjust to him is still there. It's just some of the new players who never had to go through all of that. But Gunny as well, another leader that was that was more on the pitch than than necessarily vocal. Um, she was a very big part of, of this team's identity over the last two years. And yeah, she was just a, a very solid player. Uh, towards the end of the season, she wasn't getting as much playing time. She's also kind of... They're, they're both fairly old uh, in terms of playing days. But the the thing with Aaron at, at 39 years old is as a goalkeeper, you can play for a lot longer. Gunny at 34 as a midfielder trying to go box to box. She was playing not only as a midfielder, she was playing as a right back. She was playing as a striker. She was literally a plug and play player. And, you know, losing her versatility hurts quite a lot. So the hope is that some of these players that are coming in for the pride are going to be able to kind of fill those gaps as they go. But again, you're, you're losing two of your, your most important players in terms of their impact uh, within the team. So uh, very excited for their future. You know, they're, they're moving on with their lives in Iceland where Gunny is from. Uh, I believe they're going to continue playing over there maybe just for another year or two, but um that yeah that hurts and now you know the midfield for the pride is one question the goalkeeper position is another because you have Anna Morehouse who was brought in last year and didn't perform to the expectations of somebody who was coming from Europe Kaylee Collins who played a game in the challenge cup and looks good uh, but she's only played a game and then you have this new goalkeeper Carly Nelson who has joined on a two-year contract Uh, she's played four games in the NWSL, that's including the Challenge Cup as well as the league. She played one league game, which is more than more than <laughs> kind of a lot of the players uh, on the roster right now. Um, but she most recently played for FC uh, Nordesalt in the Danish top flight, appeared in 32 matches across all competitions, and had nine clean sheets. So not like standout statistically, but uh, the most likely scenario is she's going to probably be uh, backup third string potentially so it's very open-ended for this goalkeeper position for the pride and yeah it's going to be whoever wins the position in camp and it may not even be then like it may just be a constant rotation of players to see who can actually lock down the position because no one has proven themselves to this point that they are the starter right and i mean you know Getting this news so close to the start of camp, we got it, what, like two weeks ago almost? And no, one week. started this week. One week. A week ago, yeah. So a week ago, camp starts now, and you're getting this news. And I'm sure internally the Pride probably knew about it a little bit sooner, you know. Um, but it certainly, it, it is, like you said, it's a big loss to, to lose those two voices. And, you know, like you said, for a position that is, you need to have that vocal. It's not just being a good shot stopper. You know, I think a lot of people look at goalkeepers and they think like, oh, that, you know, this person is good at making saves or they're not making saves. You have to be able to command the people in front of you and, and earn the trust of those center backs and those defenders and midfielders and, and everyone to trust that you're all working on the same page together. And it's such a crucial thing. And like you said, it, it does kind of worry me when you think about 
the possibility that there could be more than one starting goalkeeper earlier in the season, you know, in terms of just building that trust and building those relationships and how the pride look back there, because this is a young team and it's still a team in transition and so many new faces. And we're at the very beginning of the kind of building process here. And this is certainly going to be one of those positions that you would hope they can sure up sooner rather than later as they get into this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Gavin brings a good point. Like goalkeepers at the professional level, everyone is a good shop stopper. That is what has gotten them to this level at this point. It's about how do you keep that shot prevention? It's the organizing of the defense. It's knowing, you know, maybe your right back falls asleep on the back post and tucking them in or reminding them those things happen with minutes and playing with people. So I think the anxiousness of having a new a new goalkeeper who doesn't have a lot of minutes with the back four, who doesn't know the tendencies. It's, you're going to see some. You're going to see some mismarking. You're going to see some things early on. It's it's a scary question mark. All four of the goalkeepers currently in the roster can stop shots. Um, that's not the issue. It's can they keep the prevention? Can they organize the midfield and defense like Gavin speaks to, and organize this team and be an informal leader? Because as a goalkeeper, you have to have the leadership. Whether or not you have the captain armband or not, you have to be a leader. And so that's going to be the challenge as we watch preseason is which goalkeeper is going to emerge as that informal leader of the team. And like like Austin alludes to, it could be a, a mismatch of a couple goal, you know, a switching off of one goalkeeper one game, another goalkeeper another. And at a certain point, Coach Hines or Manager Hines is going to have to come up with a starter and, and stick with them because inconsistency only drives inconsistency throughout your team like that's going to be the big question mark not to mention the midfield the midfield is also a big question mark is on this team yeah and, and we'll get into the uh the preseason camp roster here in a second because <laughs> there's only five midfielders listed on the entire roster and two of them are trialists so uh but we'll get into that in a second but um you know, my money is on Kaylee Collins uh, from from the off, just in terms of her vocal leadership. Just seeing her at, in terms of interacting with players and when she played the one game, she was incredibly confident in her role. You know, she stopped a penalty in that one game that she played in as well. Uh, granted, it was against Gotham, but, you know, it's it's still a penalty. Still stopped a penalty. And, and she was, you know, as she stopped the penalty, she was yelling at her defense, like, go Mark, because it went out of bounds for a corner. Like, she wasn't celebrating as much as, as that. It was like, you know, we're not done here. Um, Anna Morehouse, she has experience playing in top flights in, in Europe, in England, and in France. But she's very quiet and very reserved. And in terms of what this team needs in the back, I feel like that's just not... It doesn't hit the same as somebody who's yelling at your face, like, step up or, you know, you know claiming the ball in the air being aggressive um and kaylee collins is young you know she's she's got a lot of potential in her and i think that um you'll start seeing that over the course of time but again one game is not a sample size that you can rely on there is going to be a lot more throughout preseason that they're going to have to figure out and also they officially still don't have a goalkeeper coach so that's another thing that we're going to have to see who's going to be the one coaching them and making you know helping make that decision of who's the right person to start two things that i mean one obviously they don't have officially we talked about this the other day because 
I wasn't sure, and so I looked. The only official coach right now is Seb Hines. Mm-hmm. No one else is actually official yet, right? Which is which is just interesting, even though they are there are coaches there. So obviously, yeah, I, th- I think that. And I guess I guess my question with that that I'll ask Brett before I get into my other thing is like how 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 important is is the goalkeeping coach? Gosh, for 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 keeper, it's it's extremely it's extremely important. So you got to remember, training usually runs in in two parts. Usually you have or three parts. You usually have your head coach doing something with either the attacking or, or the defending. You have another another coach with the defense working on the flat four. And then you have your goalkeeper coach where you're individually going through training. You're doing goalkeeping exercises. It's usually someone who's a former goalkeeper who understands the psychology of the position and understands what the person, what the team as a goalkeeping team needs to uh, work on. I think something that is underplayed as a gunner, uh, goalkeeper coach is that, you know, it's a goalkeeper union. You hear this a lot. Um, you have to bring these three, four, peop- these four goalkeepers together. There's only one of us, one goalkeeper on the field at a time, but the four have to rally around each other and help each other and become one unit and not um, kind of become cutthroat and, be- and kind of build the team through the four. Um, it's always fun to watch the small side of games with each each different person, each goalkeeper having part of a different team. But like the goalkeeper coach helps set that standard, helps set that expectation. Um, and it gives the individualized training to, I would say, some psycho people because goalkeepers, <laughs> you have to be a little bit off to be in that position. And like a goalkeeper coach kind of becomes part trainer, part psychiatrist, part like mind game thrower. And if you don't have one, it's it's difficult. Like you're not going to get that attention. Now you have three professionals and one um, uh, former college athlete who had the leading minutes for the NCAA. But like, you still need someone over there to oversee the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they have somebody. It's just we don't know who it is. It's not official. Much like Giles Barnes is there leading trainings, he's not official, but he's there, and he's he, he's pretty much as official as you can get. The only thing that's holding back the actual announcements of who the coaching staff is, is background checks. And this is stemming from all of the issues with coaching staffs over the past two years that have come about with the Yates report. And they're just covering their butts at this point to say like, yes, we did our due diligence this time around. We're making sure that these guys are not creeps and are not trying to harm our players. I am floored that it's 2023 and they're just now going, hmm, maybe we should do really extensive background checks. But that's a whole different that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um I, I like what you mentioned, Brett, you talk about like the goalkeeping. I think that's the thing that's often so underappreciated in the way all of that has to work. Um obviously you talk about with goalkeeper coaches and how important that is, but even just the position in general, like for most teams, at least teams that are in good situations you have one goalkeeper who's seeing the field, you know, virtually all the time, unless there's a reason to rotate. Most, most clubs will, will play one, one keeper, but you have three or four on the roster. And so that balance of trying to get the others up to, up to where they can fill in if they need to, but at the same time, not at each other. So it's, I think, I think it's a, it's a hard balance to find. And I think, Part of the thing we talk about too with the pride, obviously with with a midfield questions in the midfield, I have to imagine what you want because Austin, you mentioned you mentioned with keepers having someone who who can be really vocal, and it's not necessarily so much about just kind of 
correcting people and things like that, but but more just that confidence starting from the back and going up through through the spine of the team. It really helps. Mm-hmm. A and, and Brent can speak speak more to maybe maybe how exactly this helps, but it really helps if you're trying to solidify a nice midfield through all goalkeeper all the way up through the midfield up up to the top if you're trying to solidify a really solid core if you've got a really competent goalkeeper who's who just is really sure of what she's doing and really comfortable then when you're bringing in other players trying to solidify positions that that maybe don't have a solid answer it makes that so much easier but if you're trying if you're constantly trying to rotate goalkeepers and figure out who the option is going to be that only makes it exponentially more difficult to get the other positions figured out correct yeah and and actually i'll take this time to kind of go through the preseason roster and talk about you know what are the other positions because we talked a lot about goalkeepers but at this point in time like it's just a big question mark so i will say this though seb heinz's team they love playing from the back forward which means the goalkeeper not only has to be vocal but also has to be good with their feet because oftentimes center backs are passing back to you to help distribute and if you're not comfortable with the ball at your feet, then uh, you're not right for this system. That's that's pretty much how I'll, I'll end that. So just in terms of the preseason roster as of right now, there are three preseason roster invitees. So an NRI, non-roster invitee. Uh, Nicole Baxter, who played for Gotham FC, uh, she's joining the Pride preseason after playing nine games up in Jersey last year. Uh, she's been in the league since 2019. Um actually had a whole saga uh, before coming back to professional soccer. And, um, you know, it, it was it was kind of interesting listening to where, where that whole story came from because she was diagnosed with Lyme disease and part of her recovery was to live a, quote, stress-free life, which meant going back and playing professional soccer because at the time that she started playing professional soccer, she was, you know, 25. Um, so she actually finished her college soccer in 2015 and didn't start pick- playing professional soccer until, you know, 2018, 2019. So it's an interesting story for her. Um, hasn't really gotten the, the opportunities necessarily over the course of her, her time in Gotham, but th- that team was really bad. So <laughs> can't read too much into how she is, but again, non-roster invitee. So, uh, we'll see, uh, one of the five midfielders that are on the preseason roster, technically listed as a midfielder. The other being Thais Hayes, who was a part of the Pride roster last year, signed in June, appeared in five matches, and released at the end of the season. So she's just, you know, in town, but earning herself a contract again. She's very good with the ball, but she is slow. And uh, it was very evident that the game kind of passed her by at points when she was playing, where she was trying to dribble past a player and she was just too slow to get past them so technically good uh but speed is not her strong suit and then uh brent kind of mentioned it before one of the best goalkeepers in college over the last couple years mckinley crone a maitland native actually went to high school with pride draftee Kristen scott at edgewater um played at i think oklahoma and alabama transfer her last couple years to Alabama, set the NCAA record for goalkeeping minutes in her career with almost 10,000 minutes and ended up finishing with 9,519 minutes played, which is just kind of wild to think about. But because of COVID, you know, those those records are going to start falling because you have people going through their COVID years. And so it's nice to have her around as a, as a local product. Again, lives 
get 20 minutes from the training facility. So good to have her with that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that. I don't expect them to carry four goalkeepers at one time. You know, if Crone looks for other opportunities, I'm sure she'll be signing somewhere else. But otherwise, she'd just be a practice keeper. So there's not much money in that, <laughs> especially for her. If she wants to have a opportunity to play, it's not going to be here. Outside of that, you have a couple players that are still missing from the roster. Adriana, um, who actually just got announced to the Brazilian national team for the She Believes Cup coming up in a couple weeks. She is still waiting for her visa paperwork to be secured. However, she'll be in Orlando for the She Believes Cup anyways. So uh, she may be in Orlando, but not allowed to stay in Orlando and train with the team, which is just kind of funny how, you know, governments work. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Marta also did get called up. And that would be her first action since tearing her ACL early last year. And then there's two other players that are missing that a lot of people have been sending me questions about. And that's Courtney Peterson and Tony Presley. Courtney Peterson, I've gotten a ton of questions saying like, where's Courtney? She's so good. And I'm like, well, there's a reason that she's out of contract and they haven't really negotiated a new one with her. So I'll just put it like that. Uh, but she remains out of contract with the Pride, and as of right now, there's there's nothing new on that. She has been dating former Orlando City player uh, Joey Desart. They've been together for the last year and a bit. So he's a free agent as well. He's looking for a new team. Currently trialing with Nashville, funny enough. If, if they're serious, she may go try and look somewhere in the same market as he is. That's just me spitballing. Nothing concrete in that but it could definitely play a factor in why she's not signed back with the pride or the pride are just not as interested as as some people think they should be and then tony presley the longest tenured player for orlando has been here since day one since 2016 she was invited to preseason camp by the pride but declined and so it's very possible that that is the end of her professional career uh, she played a lot of games towards the end of last year, but it was it was evident that it, it's gotten to the point for her that as a center back dealing with some of the very young, pacey forwards, it's getting very much harder to deal with them. And I think at this point in her career, it might be time for coaching because she's so involved in coaching now. She's coaching at FC Highland at Lake Highland Prep. She's very involved in the youth side of things. So I think that is probably where she's going to divert her focus more. Uh, so if she does end up retiring, all the best to Tony. She has, you know, been through a lot. Breast cancer, not playing, playing, and a lot of coaching changes. So she has seen it all and been through it all. And uh, yeah, best of luck to her and her future. And now to the preseason roster. Nine defenders on the roster, including two draft picks in Tori Hansen and Emily Madrill. Uh, Haley Hansen has changed her name to Haley McCutcheon because she got married this past offseason. Uh, out of the five midfielders, I already mentioned the two that are NRIs. Uh, Jordan Listrow also got married this past offseason, but she is keeping her name as it is. And then in the forwards position, they have a number of of players who still technically haven't signed. Messiah Bright, Kristen Scott, and Summer Yates are all draft picks 
who have not been signed. They just have their draft rights. So they're going to go through preseason camp and have to earn a spot on the roster. The thing with Summer Yates is that she can play in the midfield as well. So you can kind of throw her up in there. Same with Marta. She's technically considered a forward on this roster, but she is very much an attacking midfielder. So she could kind of move back. Erica Timrak, same thing, can also play in the midfield, but listed as a forward for some reason. And then you have uh, Adriana, who's still not yet with the team. So in all, four goalkeepers, nine defenders, five midfielders, and 10 forwards. Whew. Okay, I'm done talking now. Any any comments, questions, concerns? <laughs> what formation are they going to play? Like, Jesus, there's oh, that's, so many midfielders. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you want to hear what Seb told me about that? Uh, this was last year, and it's it's pr- pretty much consistent with that. So he, he took a page out of Mark Skinner and said, we're going to play some free-flowing football with no technical positions. So they're going to create art? Oh, basically. no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> not again. Okay, who had this on their bingo card? Um, Manchester United's women's team is actually good under Mark Skinner. I believe it. I mean, the pride were looking better towards the end of his, right? Yes, right? he was. He was. Yeah. Paint, he was taking the paintbrush to the canvas, and then there someone ripped the canvas out of his hands, and he said, "All right, I'm going to go follow this canvas back over to Europe." I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we didn't really give him a fair shake. He also didn't have. He he inherited a roster. And that was his big excuse to begin the season, where it's like, I, you know, I'm dealing with Tom's roster. I need to, like, put my stamp on this team. And then he put his stamp on this team. And then COVID happened. Yeah, like, I feel like I feel like we, like, even us at the time, I feel like we we probably were a little harsher given the the circumstances. That I think it was just obviously part of it was just disappointment in a, in a lack of performance of the team. But turns out he's a he's a hap pretty decent coach um i mean listen manchester united are first in the women's super league now yeah and they're third in the men's league too we're just tops all over the place man it's great how about uh, chelsea and everton how they doing yeah it must be nice chelsea in the women's league is second and they're actually tied on points mm. so so i i was like i'm i'm interested to see brett asked about the formation for the pride i'm it's all it's gonna be really interesting to see but i think after watching them play last season under seb i think the benefit of the doubt that things will will hopefully look pretty good. I think the benefit of the doubt is there, and I'm just excited to see it actually happen in action. Yeah, they kind of played a four three three last year, kind of. It was very free flowing. That was kind of the basis. Like you did have a, a midfield block of three players. They were kind of playing off of each other. But now you throw Marta into the equation, and Marta is Marta, so she can play wherever the heck she wants. And Adriana is, is, you know, a player that can play as a forward or play as a winger. So she may be interchanging quite a bit as well. And you have a lot of players that are technically wingers but can play as forwards or technically forwards that can play as wingers and players that can play that are defenders that can play in midfield. You know, with women's... A lot of versatility on the roster. Well, that's with women's soccer in general. You have a lot of players that are plug-and-play kind of players. I mean, Haley Hansen is a right back who has also played right mid and central defensive mid. And... In her CDM role last year, she was fantastic. So it really kind of depends on what Seb wants to do with each individual player. And he's going to eventually, over the course of this preseason, meet with all of them and say, hey, this is what we have envisioned for you. Thoughts. And then kind of go from there and start building a a roster and a, a starting lineup over the course of the next couple weeks until the season actually starts, which there's still no schedule, by the way. That's kind of where the pride are at. Now, 
before we move on to Orlando City, the biggest news out of the Orlando Pride is that they hired a new vice president of soccer operations slash general manager. And I know Brent will love this. It's a former goalkeeper. Haley Carter is the new EVP and GM of the Pride, taking over for former GM Ian Fleming, who was dismissed back in November uh, in the same press conference that Zeb Hines was hired, which, oof. Now, when you look at Carter's resume, she looks completely overqualified for the position, and it's actually kind of wild that that she has taken this long to actually be hired as a a GM. And I'll I'll get into some of the things that I've read about her in, in terms of why that may be the case. But I'll go through her resume very quickly because it is very impressive. Now, she served eight years in the U.S. military, including multiple tours to Iraq. She also played in the Armed Forces uh, International Military Sports Council Women's Military Soccer Championships. Now, that was after her college uh, tenure at Navy and then uh, ended up going into the military. Out of the military, she came back the NWSL was just starting. She signed for the Houston Dash from 2013 to 2016. Never really made an appearance officially, but she was the backup keeper for three years. And funny enough, Aaron McLeod was there at that time. And so when this position opened up, Aaron McLeod called Haley Carter and said, hey, you should apply for this. And that's how originally Haley Carter got on the radar of the Pride is because of now-departed goalkeeper Aaron McLeod. So, just kind of interesting. But in terms of her resume as well, not only is she a former player, but she is also a business executive, a coach, a licensed attorney, and a certified professional footballing scout holding both level one and two talent identification certification. Okay, so, like, fully qualified talent scout. Not only that but like i mentioned licensed attorney right hmm. she has an mba with distinction from the university of liverpool and a jd from the university of houston law center plus that naval degree from the u.s naval academy mm-hmm. not only that I- i'm just going to keep going here because it's actually insane uh she has won multiple awards for her her work in women's soccer she's the chair of the women's coaches community for soccer in united soccer coaches She's award, been awarded the President's Award in 2029 or 2019 and 2022. She was also, just this past month, awarded a Certificate of Appreciation by United Soccer Coaches for her work in women's soccer. And, and I'll, this is, this is going to be my last and. No, no, I got two more ands. With the coaching experience, she has not only coached youth and collegiate, but international soccer. She has been an assistant coach for the Afghanistan women's national team and a goalkeeper coach for the Antigua and Barbuda women's na- uh, national team as well. And she has been a proponent for a lot of social causes, including the uh, women's soccer, as I mentioned, girls' soccer, the university, the City of Houston Women's Commission, as well as the chairman of the City of Houston Commission to End Gun Violence. So, again, very big proponent of social causes to go along with literally everything else that she has. Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> Like you said, to say that she is overqualified almost feels like an understatement. Um, I mean, it's when you look when you think about like hiring other positions, like a head coach, or you're looking for players, and it's easy for anyone to be like, "Oh, this person would be great for this because they do this and that." It's it definitely is a lot harder from the outside looking in to say what makes a great 
general manager. And, you know, obviously in her case, too, she's basically in charge of the pride. You know, she she is running that entire team. Um, but I mean, like you said, the, the qualifications alone and it, it makes you it makes it very easy to get excited about something like this to say, you know, we've watched so much. I guess you could say dysfunction over the years for the pride instance, um, you know, kind of, I guess, since Tom Sermani left, I mean, not that things were perfect under him, but you know, there was more stability and kind of a sense of direction than where there is now. But yet you look at that and you say, well, this is someone that is clearly going to do every single move. Right. But then again, the, there's, we've seen smart people hired to run teams everywhere in sports. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. But I think for the for me, what's just been crazy is the whole process, I think, of getting to this point, too, that makes you feel comfortable that the Pride picked someone. Obviously, the, you know, credentials aside, they did their due diligence, to say the least. I mean, if you look, there's the um, – she did an interview with The Athletic shortly after this was all announced, and there's a couple things. So the first conversation she had with the club took place around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So this has been in the works for a while. Yeah. Um, she met with uh, Jared Dillon, who's the president of business operations, and Cesar Lopez, who's the general counsel. So, you know, working with the highest people in the club. She, um, let's see, she said she gave multiple interviews, multiple presentations to ownership, the board, meeting with players, meeting with the technical staff, support staff. She took, she did personality testing, logistical analysis, numerical, uh, numerical reasoning. Um, she, she, she had this one quote, it says, there was one day where I think I took four hours of tests and I'd be lying if it said I didn't feel like I was just sat down for the SATs again. Like the, the rigorous process to get here honestly astounds me because you never really hear about like how so-and-so gets the job. Mm-hmm. You th- kind of just think like, oh, they interviewed, they liked them, um, they got it. You know, they sold their pitch. That all stands out to me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed not just by her, but, you know, the due diligence that the pride did to get this right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 not yeah, only the, just what the pride did, but it's also the league mandates of how they're supposed to conduct interviews now. Right. So that that goes into it. Yeah, and one more thing I want to point out too, she has another quote in there. Um she talks about who is involved. So she says um continue on while I look for this. Um so there's Okay, Kyle, I just say your you thing. Know, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we talk about overqualified and, and Gavin making the point of, you know, but that doesn't always work out. I think the thing that's really neat here, beyond just the, the extreme due diligence, which is surprising in a, in a very good way, but I think also the fact that, you know, this is someone who is really qualified on both sides of things. Qualified from just the perspective of, of helping run, you know, like a, a business obviously it's a little different with, with professional sports team, but being able to like be an executive, but also like being able to do things in, in the sport. It's not just bringing in someone that has outside experience, which, which sometimes happens in roles like this, but someone who has a really deep understanding of the sport, played the sport, was really involved in the sport globally, not just domestically. Like this, is a, this, this appears to be obviously on paper, like a huge home run hire on, on every count. And I think it's going to be like, I think that's it's huge. It's huge for the pride going forward. Okay, so I found the quote. Um, 
for starters, the Pride also did use uh, Bloom Sports uh, search for to do this, so it wasn't just the the people running the club. Mm-hmm. So the question was about knowing like when investment is serious in the women's game and and all this whatnot. She goes, um, so the board for Orlando City. Um, she the whole thing was was refreshing. She says the board for Orlando City, Orlando Pride was on the call. It was clear, clearly people that didn't have to be involved that were being involved. Um, namely, she says, and one person in particular that's true of is Mark Wilf. Mm-hmm. So even Mark Wilf, the you know the owner of the club, going out of his way, being a part of this, that's what stood out to me too. Is just from the top down kind of commitment from the Pride that you have the chairman of the team and let's be honest in comparison to what his responsibilities are the pride probably aren't the highest of things but he's there on these calls that you know these everything that is involved he's probably he's there every step of the way so that impresses me i mean we've you know not to to shill out for for the wolves and everything but i've just been very impressed in (laughs) in how involved in the day-to-day that they have been, you know, specifically Mark since they took over the club because yeah, you didn't see that from Flavio and no. he had a lot of other things that were more of a priority. You know, the Wilfs are rich and they don't necessarily have to work the same way that Flavio still does to make money. I, but so, so still- I, I just want to go off what you talked about with with the Wilfs being really heavily involved in a lot of this. I think part of that too is you don't see that often in in really you don't see it as often in sports in general. But you definitely don't see that as often in women's sports or women's soccer, especially when you've got these clubs that are that are owned by the same. You know, they, they've got a men's team and they've got the women's team. Most of the time, those high higher those owners, if they're going to get involved, are going to get involved on the men's side and and not really. They're going to have other people who handle the women's side. So I think having ownership that's very clearly not just invested monetarily in both sides of it, but invested with their time and their effort in making sure that they're making the right calls. Like that's, that's a really big, not every place does that. Not even every, not even the you're in Europe, like the major European teams are, are, are approaching it that way. So having that approach is really encouraging as well. That this isn't just that, you know, these are people who they didn't just reach out to a, a consulting firm and go, Hey, give us the best candidate. We'll do an interview and we'll hire them. But they were, act, uh, you know, actively involved in the process and in making sure that whoever they got was a good fit both in doing the job and just culturally with what they're trying to do here. I think that's, we see the success that Orlando city had on the men's side this last year. And there's no reason to, to doubt that with, with the same level of care that the pride seem to be getting from ownership that, that within the next couple of years, we'll start seeing similar dividends pay off. Yeah. And and even to that point too, like the, the the Wolves have talked about the, the pride in Orlando city are two equal clubs, equal investment, equal treatment, equal attention being paid to them. And I think it says a lot to that, that they didn't, you know, for a while it's just been a head coach and a general manager. And now you see an actual position that is of equal status of Luis Muzi on the Orlando City side, someone that is actually at that high executive elevated level that we haven't seen for the Pride. And that alone shows that they are actually serious about hiring people to do the jobs that the men's team would be doing and having these people, you know, putting in the serious investment to get the right people and the best people possible. So, I mean, it take, it's, it's going to take time. You know, obviously we know we just talked about where the roster's at, you know, first year head coach, a lot of new players, you know, really kind of repeating the same process that they went through last year. Um, but 
they're on the right it it seems like they're on the right path and you know becoming a club that is is worthy of of all this investment that they're they're getting is certainly hopefully uh where we see this to continue to go especially when you look around the league and you see the other teams that are taking you know the san diego's the la's the that are coming in and taking it seriously from day one and running laps around these more established clubs that are already here yeah and then you have angel city who's just there for the vibes yeah uh, I'll be talking with Haley Carter a little bit more uh, later this week uh, to kind of get a better idea of where she wants to go with the things and also her, you know, early relationship with Seb because that's on- honestly that's going to be the most important thing is her relationship with the head coach because she didn't hire the head coach. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I thought about that earlier, too. That Pride got to stop doing that where they hire the coach and then the GM. <laughs> Even the city did that when they hired James O'Connor and then Muzi. Like, it's the wrong order. Well, I mean, I th- I thought about I was thinking about that too, and the one thing that kind of st- stuck in my mind was that even if it's not necessarily the coach that she would want, because she does explain in that that article like, who are we? What do we want? You know, what do we want to play? And and Seb might not line up with how she sees the vision for this team. the The ultimate reason that Seb was hired was that the players wanted him, the players trusted him, and and you kind of hope that 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 alone is enough to say, all right. He's not my guy, but I'm one million percent behind the players, and if this is what they want, this is what they're going to get. There you go. And, and I will say one other thing. In terms of Mark Wilf, and then we, we'll move on to the Orlando City aspect of things, because we, we've actually spent majority of the show on the Pride, which, you know, nice change of pace. Mark yeah. Wilf has daughters. And when I sat down with him last year, um, it was. I think it was during the OCB game that they were playing at the stadium, and I, I had a nice just sit-down conversation with him, and I was talking to him about the pride. And he said, well, you know, listen, I have, I have daughters, and they play soccer, and I want to be a good role model to them. And, uh, you know, having this team and having this team play well, and, you know, they see everything that I do. And if I don't put my all into it, then why should they be putting their all into what they want to do? And he wants to be a good example for them. So I think that him being able to kind of be there and be present and putting his quote unquote money where his mouth is, is definitely a good step in the right direction for, for the ownership of this, this team. Oh, I, I love that. That's, that's it good. also, it also, yeah, that, that's a really good way that he put that. It's a lot. I was kind of expecting just a, you know, as a, as a father of, of girls, I really care. Like, but it's a real, like, no, like how can I look them in the face and tell them, to give their all when I'm not doing that. I'm not investing in in the thing that they care about and helping push it forward. So how can I ask them to do that? I think that's really cool. Yep. All right. So um, because we've gone so long with Orlando Pride Talk, here's what we're going to do. We are ending this show here. This is the Pride-centric show only. And this is how we're, we're doing today's episode. Tomorrow is when we will drop our city and everything else, our usual weird news, red cards, etc. So you can get a 45-minute episode here and a 45-minute episode tomorrow. I think that works out well. So uh, tune in tomorrow for the next edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. Until then, uh, we'll see you later.